pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on this beautiful Sunday morning. Lord, a special day that has been set aside to honor mothers. And yet, Lord, more than anything that we or anyone or anything we should honor here on earth, we're here to to honor the one who created motherhood. Lord, we ask that we would be able to worship your holy name, to lift you up today. Lord, that we would feel just a little of the weight of your greatness and your glory. Lord, that we would be able to take your message to the world in which we live. We ask you to bless this time that you may be glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Trying to have a special after spending 3,000 miles on the road may be a little difficult, but uh, for... But uh, enjoyed just the fact to have everybody home and the special music today. And today is Mother's Day. It's hard to uh, imagine, but this is the 20th time I've stood in the pulpit of this church and tried to preach a sermon on motherhood, uh, something of which I have very little experience, all right? And uh, intend to keep it that way, amen? But uh, the... Wonderful thing, and I'll ask the question. I think I've done this every 20 years as well. My wife's going, yes, I know what's coming next. Where would you be without your mother, right? Uh, the, the answer is you wouldn't. Uh, Mama is very, very important in our lives, and if you still have the opportunity, call her, send something, do, do something to honor your mother. Uh, it's... A wonderful thing, but I'll tell you what, I, I praise the Lord that even though here on this earth, sometimes we have great difficulties in relationships, but we never have to worry about our God, amen? And I want you to listen very carefully because uh, the first, the theme of this morning's message, the idea here is one that we're going to have to listen close to because there's an awful lot of stuff out there that sounds similar but really, really could not be farther from the truth. And the truth that I would like us to look at today is that God has given us mothers to teach us about His love for us. You see, what man has tried to do, and uh, I don't know if you're a student of history, sometimes uh, that is quite a confusing and depressing subject, but throughout history, man has tried to uh, install many feminine deities. Uh, In fact, even the translators of the NIV update, I think they call it the NIV 84 to designate it from earlier versions, uh, has tried to remove the masculine pronouns referring to God, and in the preface they talk about the mother-father God. And uh, let me tell you something, we, we want to give no credence to that thought whatsoever. Uh, that is just mankind trying attempting to make God into something he can understand. Let me tell you, if you could understand, if you could comprehend God with your mind, it would be a very small God indeed. Amen? God is larger than anything we can understand. 
And, and people have often asked the question, why did uh, uh, God make man and women? Uh, let me ask you a question. Is anybody complaining? I'll tell you, Brother Franz and Peter aren't complaining. They're getting married this summer. They're really happy about all those differences. And, and I'll tell you, God made it in such a way. No one idea, no one understanding, no one approach to grasping who and what God is will work. God is often spoken of, in fact, every time God is referred to in the Bible, He is referred to in the masculine sense, and He tells us that He is like a father and that He cares for His children. But let me ask you a question. How many of you had a good father? Yeah, Stephen, you better raise your hand. <laughs> He's one of mine. But you know what a good father does? He disciplines. Isn't that right? What does a good mother do? She hugs you when it's done, right? But a good mother disciplines as well. But God wants us to understand His love for us. And I want you to get a hold of something, that God's love for you is more tender and more compassionate than any mother that has ever held a child. While we were traveling and driving late into the night, we were listening to some different songs, and we found a real funny one about Jonah getting thrown overboard on a Christian radio station, and and there is another one called The Wonder of Wonders. And part of the words of that song was, Wonder of Wonders, how can it be? And it goes on and it says, He created the womb which had given Him birth. Yet He was God incarnate, the Lord of the earth. We're going to have to get that song and do it sometime. Just to... But stop and think about that. Jesus... God in the flesh wrapped himself in a human body just like you and I have. The Bible calls him Emmanuel, God with us. Sometimes I wonder, the Bible says Mary pondered all these things in her heart. How did she look down into the face of that little child and yet she said in Luke chapter 2, I rejoice in God my Savior. Don't let someone paint Mary as sinlessly perfect. She claimed she needed a Savior. How God did that? Well... I'll let God take care of that. Amen. But God uses this image, and, 
And the first verse I'm going to read to you, I want you to know in its context, and you can turn there, Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 15, in its context, it's an incredibly negative verse. God is talking about how Israel has forgotten Him and His judgments are going to come upon them. And yet even in God's judgment, as we're going through the book of Revelation on our Thursday night Bible studies, verse by verse, as we see these judgments that are just beyond human comprehension and death and destruction beyond anything that we can even imagine, we still find God's blessing and God's praise. And in the middle of this prophecy, God is giving Israel assurances. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 15 says, Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? We know the answer in the Bible, yea, that can happen. Yea, they may forget. God says, yet will I not forget thee. God is using the picture of a mother's love. How many stories could be told of a wayward son or daughter that was brought back to the truth because of the tears of a praying mother. But what I want us to concentrate on this morning is the love that the Creator has for you, for me. We know God is love. We know the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One time I was talking and someone said, Is that what John 3.16 means that I see at the stadiums? Yes, that's what it means. When you see that banner, they're referring to a verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world. But when is the last time you sat down and really contemplated, really thought about, uh, the Bible word is meditate. That means to take scripture. You've got to memorize it first. And to let it roll over in your mind and in your heart. Not seeking some strange and hidden meaning but just to grasp the understanding of the words. My pastor, Roy Thompson, preached an entire year on John 3.16. I'm not going to attempt that, especially not this morning, amen. But what I want us to understand is God's love for us. He has given us mothers so that we can understand the compassion and the love that God has for His children. What is the first thing when you think of mother? It ought to be life. Amen? In fact, you can't be a mother until you've given life. And it's a great... Thing, but I, I think about 
the joy and the anticipation Brother Franz has and, and uh, Sister Sonia about getting married here. And, and I've already talked to them in counseling. You know what? Franz gets the better part of that deal. She gives up her name. She gives up the place where she lives. She gives up the direction of her life. She, she really turns over her self-determination to him. And I looked at her and I said, do you really want to give all that to this guy here? She said, yes, 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 yes. We'll pray for her right now. If you want to know what the whole battle over abortion is, it's the fact that when a woman is with child, she cannot compete in a man's world. That's what the issue is. They don't care about the death of the baby. They don't care about anything or even the health of the mother. The only thing that these people who push this abortion agenda care about is the right of a woman to not be a woman, to compete in a man's world. It's what makes it so vile and so wicked. In ancient days, people used to get, families used to gather together and they would take one of their children to the temple and offer that child as a living sacrifice to a statue. We're a little more refined. We offer children on the altars of pleasure and self-grandizement and self-fulfillment but we've got nice, clean clinics to walk in and perform the same rite. Don't you look at the ancient cultures and talk how bad they are. We do the same things. But I think of those that have given up their name and their direction, their self-determination, and have surrendered to the biblical bonds that are called marriage. And then God has blessed them with a child. I think of all the pain and suffering that a woman goes through to give birth to a child. I'm glad I live in the day I live in. When I was born, when my father uh, was there, they took them and they said, you sit here in a waiting room and you, we'll see you later. We don't want to have nothing to do with you while your wife gives birth. Now today they let you hold her hand and all those wonderful things and be there and be a part. And I like that a lot better. I, I wish there was some way that I could take some of the pain and the suffering from my wife, but God didn't design it that way. He said, mama has to do it all. And how many times have I preached from this pulpit, John, John chapter 3, when Jesus was speaking to the religious man, Nicodemus. He said, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus said, what in the world are you talking about? Do I have to become a little baby? Do I have to go back inside my mother? That's not possible. And Jesus said, listen, just like you have a birth of water or of the flesh, 
You know, some have tried to get baptism in there. There's no baptism in John chapter 3. The last thing that happens before a baby is born, the water breaks. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Verse 5 is water birth. Verse 6 is the birth of the flesh. Then he says, marvel not. Don't get upset here. Don't wonder about this. Just like you were born physically, you need to be born spiritually. How much religion is about man's assistance to God in giving him eternal life or that person. That is the essence of all false religion. Let me tell you something. There's never been a baby born that has aided its mother in giving birth. Doesn't work that way. In fact, it's mama that has to, after all the suffering and the pain and, and everything that goes on, she's the one that has to pick up that baby and begin to feed and nurse that baby so the baby will survive. And then it's, Mom, two sandwiches aren't enough for lunch anymore. Can I have another one? I mean, taking care of children is... A lifelong commitment, is it not? You don't just get that baby for a few months. They're yours for the rest of your life. Someone says, as they get bigger, so do the problems. Well, that's a good thing. I wouldn't want to have to sit Andrew down at the table and feed him like I used to. I can't reach that high anymore. I'm glad that as they grow up and we'll be getting into that, but what I want you to understand about life is mom has to do so much when a baby is born. I mean, you talk about carrying around that weight all those months. And just about the time it gets to the point that you can't stand it anymore. Then we have labor and delivery. And then you'd think you'd get a rest, but it's every two hours. I got to be fed. The doctors say that there's something special that happens in the body of a mother that gives her the ability... To do that, I am so glad about that study because that means I can sleep and she can get up and take care of the baby. Amen. Can we have a little fun this morning? You can't smile in church. Where can you smile? Amen. But God designed it that way. Because he wants us to understand about his love. God carried mankind through the centuries. Starting with Adam and Eve in the garden as he killed those first animals in sacrifice and made a cloak to cover their nakedness that now had become their shame because of their sin. Later he would appear to Abraham and said, follow me. Later Mount Sinai would be set on all of fire and the mountain would quake and 
the entire nation of Israel at the base of that mountain would shiver in fear and said, let not God speak to us anymore. Moses, you go up and speak to him and we'll listen to you. But God's greatest act was on a cross outside the city of Jerusalem. As the Son of God hung between heaven and earth. And I wish we had time to pick up on all of the similarities between the Old Testament sacrifices in the tabernacle according to the law and the acts that Jesus fulfilled on the cross. But let me tell you, He fulfilled every one. Amen. He suffered and died. So that you and I might be set free from our sins. Sounds like Jesus surrendered his name. They spit upon him and cursed him. The direction of his life in the garden, he prayed, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Hebrews tells us that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame. But there's a commitment. You see, most religion, the grand goal, the highest achievement that you can get is a ticket that will let you into heaven. That's not what the Bible's about. That's not what Jesus is about. Yes, he wants us to go to heaven, but that's the beginning, my friend, not the end. That's not the goal. We just finished commencement at Heartland Baptist Bible College Thursday night. And I'll tell you, I just love to sit there and watch those young students walk across the line and, and, and enjoy the achievements. But we call it a commencement. Like I told a couple of the students in the line, I said, it's time to quit fooling around. No more school. It's time to get busy with life and ministry. That's the real stuff. Let's get going. And they said, oh, yeah, but I'm tired. Oh, yeah, but you're just getting started, my friend. That's what the ministry is really about. You see, God has made a commitment each And every day, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You know, people like to put qualifiers in that. Well, he'll never leave me as long as I forget about that. There's no qualifiers in there. He said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Your salvation didn't depend on what you do. Your life for Christ doesn't depend upon what you do. It's all about what Christ has done. Can we say amen to that this morning? Are you awake? Am I loud enough? I mean, I can turn up the volume. I'll get another min out, and I think we can do it here. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us that we might behold His glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, 
That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I'll tell you what. I have watched the miracle of human birth. And it just doesn't make sense. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But I've watched the miracle of spiritual birth too. You know what? It doesn't make sense. But I'm sure glad it happens. I'm glad that the God of heaven cares about hell-bound souls. And that he doesn't give us a list of do's and don'ts and things to try to make us good enough to be worthy of his grace. He says, I will make you worthy of my grace. And I will give you eternal life. And then I will hold you every day as you walk along with me. No, we do not think of God in a feminine sort. He does not give us that option in the scripture. But I want to tell you something. The God of this Bible is greater in his love than any mother has ever had for her child. And he has given us that picture to look at and to admire. And today we do well to honor those that are mothers among us. But he wants us to look at that picture and understand he is the creator of it. And his love is greater. Can we say amen? amen. What is the second thing we think about with mother? We think about the giving of life, number one. Number two, we've talked already a lot about this, the nurturing care that mother gives. I'll tell you what. I enjoy traveling, but I enjoy getting home more. I, I like eating good food in restaurants, but it's not as good as at home. I don't know what the ingredient is, but... There's just something special in that pot that sits on the stove. Amen? There's just something special about being home. You see, mom does the best for the boo-boos. Amen? I'm glad mom changes most of the diapers. Amen? When little Joey comes up and says, I can't find my socks. So you have to go see mom about that one. I, I don't know about little boy socks. In fact, she has to find mine most of the time. The simple truth is that's what mama does best now, isn't it? And one of the reasons why we have so much problems in our nation is because mama doesn't have enough time to nurture anymore. Forced out of the home and into the workplace and, and all of these things. And I'll tell you, there's great sacrifices to be made if you're going to stay at home today. But they're worth it. 
those little children are worthy. Takes a lot of work. One time a preacher was being questioned about his preaching and said, Now, Pastor, I've heard you preach hundreds and hundreds of sermons and I don't think I could remember a one. And the preacher just looked at him and scratched his head. He said, You know, I've eaten many meals at the table of my house in my lifetime. He said, and I don't remember very many uh, individual meals that I ate, but the fact that I'm in good health and things are going well and there's a little bit more there than there used to be in the middle area, uh, if you know what I'm talking about, means that my wife did an awful good job and the fact that I don't remember every individual meal is quite fine with me and it ought to be quite fine with you. Amen. Nurturing happens almost at a mindless pace. We don't think about it. If we were to try to sit down and remember every little good thing that ever happened, it would be impossible, let me tell you. But it happens when mama does her work. Amen. Can I tell you that's an example of what God wants to do in our life? How many times, Christian, have you looked up to God in prayer and said, I don't know whether you're there or not? Now, don't raise your hand. I know it happens. How many times have we doubted God's goodness and His love toward us. But I want you to understand that has never, ever happened. He is always there. When there's a problem with our relationship with God, it's not God that's the problem. It is us. How many of you have tried to understand something? Some technical thing. I, I used to be, do a lot of mechanicing work when I was younger. And, and, and I mean, there are some concepts in certain types of engines and things that are just... I mean, I remember putting an engine together one time and it said, you have to tighten up all the head bolts in order. And then you have to tighten them up again in order. And then you have to stretch the bolts. Now, they used to joke about me and bolts. They hadn't made one that I couldn't break by tightening it too much. And I'm sitting here going, I'm going to bust off this bolt. No, it was designed... To be overstressed, and if you didn't do that, it was going to loosen up, and you're going to blow the engine. You have to follow directions. You know, God does not make everything so you can understand it. 
But he makes everything so you can obey it. You see the difference? What do all of those good meals and everything produce? Andrew, stand up for a minute. All those sandwiches went somewhere. All that mashed potatoes and gravy went somewhere. I mean, it went up high, and he loves it every time I see him. Hi, Dad. (laughs) You know what a mother wants her children to do? Is she wants them to grow up. I remember my mom. She comes up to about here. And usually when I visit her, she'll remind me, I can still whoop you. I said, yes, I know. I'm just praying I don't do anything that you need to. Amen. Mothers love to watch their children grow. I know they often complain, you're eating too much. You eat me out of house and home. What's the next thing you say? Do you want any more? Let me tell you. Second Peter 3.18, let me read it to you. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. God wants you to grow up, my friend. He has provided the best food and nourishment that can be obtained in the universe. In the words of this book called the Bible. No, we do not worship the leather and the paper. But you'd better worship the God that wrote it down. Amen. And you better understand that he's put these things in here for our nurture and our admonition. And there's an awful lot about life you don't understand and I don't understand. We can't possibly understand. But don't ever allow that to be an excuse not to obey what it says. Because that's where you grow. You grow in grace. What is grace? That's God's goodness to us. How do you take God's goodness? You just obey what he said. That's how it works. It's that simple. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul put it this way, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And the context there is about how a church should grow. But there's an application to the individual life. You've got to have God's truth and his love, and it will make you conform to the image of Christ. And if you are not getting closer to what Jesus Christ is, you're not growing in the right direction. You're not taking the proper nourishment. God will always bring you closer to his love. Do not allow the God of the Bible to become a checklist God. Well, I didn't do this, so therefore I got to do this to make up for that. That's not the God of the Bible. He paid for every sin on Calvary's cross. 
He wants you to simply live for Him. And when we fail, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants us to grow up into the image of His Son. We are to take the message of the love of God. And I'll tell you, sometimes I look at my life and I I wonder what people will see of Jesus Christ in me. It's time to get down on my knees and spend a little time with the Lord talking about that and say, I want you to change what needs to be changed. I want you to clean that mirror so the reflection of the Savior can be clearly seen. I don't want you to see me. I want you to see Jesus. Oftentimes, people say, well, what what is it like to be a preacher? What do you do? Well, my job is very simple. I'm a signpost. I better be pointing the right direction. Amen. That's all it is. You have to meet Christ individually. He wants to give you life. And just as a mother nurtures that little child, he wants to nurture you. Tell you what, no mother wants to change diapers on a 45-year-old son or daughter. That would mean great tragedy has occurred. They want them to grow up. They want them to be mature. I want my children to be able to make their own decisions. But you know something? It means a whole lot more to me and my wife when they make the decisions that we would have made in the same situation. Because their heart has been affected by what they got in our home. Let me tell you, God wants the same thing for you. He doesn't want you rewriting the Bible and seeing how how close you can get to the edge without falling over. He wants you to see how close you can mimic Him and what He would do. Because that's a reflection of His nurture in your heart and in your life. Amen? Amen. Just one more point. We'll be done. When I think of mother, first thing is life. That's how she becomes mother. Amen? Amen? But then comes that long commitment of nurturing care and taking care and and being patient when there's just so much to be impatient with. But I've never met a mother that hasn't wanted something good. Hasn't wanted that child to develop and be advanced. Probably the best illustration of this is in... uh, Matthew chapter 20. How many of you remember the story? Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He just rode the donkey through the eastern gate. In a week, he will be, less than a week, he'll be nailed to the cross. And Mary, not Mary the mother of Jesus, but Mary the mother of James and John comes up and says, Jesus, I just got one thing to ask of you. Well, what's that? When you come into your kingdom, can John sit on the right and, and, uh, James on the left. Can they be number one and two in your kingdom? I mean, isn't that what a mother wants? She wants her children to be advanced. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Now, Jesus explained that those positions were not his to give out. They were God's. They belonged to the Father. But can I tell you something? Just as every mother wants the best for her children, God wants the best for his as every mother wants her child to be advanced, as every mother wants her son to be the one that is named as top of the class, God says, I want the best for all my children. Romans 8, Paul puts it this way, verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We make God into a miser. We we restrict him in giving things to us that he would freely and gladly give us, but he can't. Because if he gave us his blessings, it would encourage us in a direction that would not be toward him. God cannot give you his best when you're seeking your best. And God is a loving God. He's going to be there. The Bible says he will discipline his children. But he's already given himself, Jesus Christ, as the sacrifice of our sins. What wouldn't God give that he hasn't already given. And it's not just money in the bank and fancy clothes and all of these things. When we get to heaven, that'll be so meaningless. It'll be a curse. I'll tell you what I want. I want a life that when it's over, God will be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I go to the preacher's meetings and one of the things preachers and pastors and, and we'll, we'll talk about now is, how's your family doing? And, and of course, you know what mothers love to do? They love to brag on their kids. Isn't that true? Now, you don't just walk around saying, my kid was first in his class and he's the smartest one and he's got the highest pain. I know some people do that. But I'm talking about good, honest, praising the Lord for what God has done as the children grow up. Amen. We're talking about good things. This is church. But do you know that God has told us in his word he wants to If we can just use our vain, vulgar terminology, he wants to brag on his children. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You want to know what the judgment seat of Christ is all about? It's about taking the life of a poor, rebellious, hell-bent sinner... And telling all of heaven what the grace of God did in that life. 
how they took them off the road of rebellion and enmity with God and put them on the road of service and love to God. How the bad decisions had ruined his life and good decisions based upon the word of God remade that life. How the God took a life that was an honor to the devil and made it a glory to the creator of heaven and earth. That's what heaven's going to be about. Because let me tell you something, it's not about you. It's about God. God has given us the picture of a mother's love. Not to feminize God, but to show the greatness that His love is greater than our comprehension. That His being is great beyond our understanding. And just like a mother once gives life to her child, we'll start at the beginning. It is God that gives life when you accept Him as your Lord and your Savior. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He doesn't give you salvation to take it away from you or to trick you or to come up with 4,000 pages of uh, of, of fine print to go down. Ah, oh, you missed paragraph 342, sentence 4. That's not the God of the Bible. That's a religion. It's the invention of mankind. He wants you to grow in the nurture and admonition. And sometimes we get so overwhelmed in our failures in our service to God that we forget that He's already forgiven us for them and knew about them long before we were born. He wants us to grow in grace so that in the ages to come, he can set us on a little pedestal in heaven and say, now I want to tell you what I did in this life. And nobody's going to praise the person on the pedestal. They're going to praise the God that did it through him or her. Would you take a few moments this week Yea, the rest of your life. When you get depressed, when you get discouraged, when you get overwhelmed. And remember that God's love is better than mama's kisses on the boo-boos. That God's love will sustain you better than all of those wonderful meals that you can't remember anymore. That God's love is there every day, every step of the way, and that all through eternity, God wants to talk about what He did in your life through His love. I'll tell you what, no better life than that. And ladies, if you're here and you're a mother today, you get to be a living illustration of God's love. Praise God for Mama. Amen. But... Praise God. He's a little bigger than that. And all God's people said. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer. We approach the time of our service we call the time of invitation. Truly, Lord, this is the time when the greatest and most fervent worship should happen. As we look to the great and loving God of heaven. 
and look at ourselves and confess our sins and thank you for your love. Lord, our prayer this morning goes out to those that have already accepted you as their personal Savior. They have that living love relationship. They have received life from the very creator of life. Lord, maybe they're struggling with receiving that nurturing and the discipline and the things that it takes. And and they're looking at you as if you were hard or uncaring. Lord, I pray that right now in that heart and mind that they would surrender to the love that is the greatest in the universe and let you have your will and way. Lord, we pray for those that are in the process of, of being developed and, and promoted by your work that we would not look to ourselves, but we would remember it's all about you and all for your glory. Then, Lord, we would be amiss this morning if we did not take a moment and pray for those who have yet to receive life from the Creator God, those that have yet to be born again the Bible way. And, Lord, our prayer is that even today that they would accept you as their Savior. And if there are things that need to be moved and changed, it's, Lord, we're, we're not trying to rush your work. We ask that today would at least be a step in the right direction of those souls that are with us that are not saved. Lord, we ask that you would do your work in this time of invitation, that in the ages to come we may rejoice in your great love wherewith you have loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Franz, if you come and lead us.